So it's like that's the project is explaining to people to get out of this like the yeah, capitalist realism. We've called it that before in here. So that right. is uh, that the 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 system system where they, like, it's been built up in our minds that there's no alternative to uh, capitalism. Correct. Right? That yeah. there's no alternative. That we can only work within. We have Democrats. We have Republicans. We have this and that. We can only tweak it this way or that way or whatever. No, actually, we need to move on. Comrades and friends, hello. This is Rob in the Shadow of Rockford Tower in the Highlands Bunker Studio. Happy New Year to all. Um, this is your New Year's extravaganza episode. So we're going to have, uh, you know, one where we just sort of reflect on the year we had, um, some of the work that we're doing, and really actually sort of project into the future, um, you know, how we can make um, our platforms, our advocacy, our organizing um, more productive and um, actually, you know, try to alleviate some of the suffering. Um, that we see all around us. Um, obviously, I'm not very optimistic about this, but hey, we're here. What the hell else can we... <laughs> might as well try something. Um, joining me is a uh, friend and comrade. Uh, he also is the uh, editor emeritus of the Delaware Call. Helped us get it off the ground. Jordan Howell. Jordan, how are you? I'm great. And as always, in the studio, Super Producer Carl on the ones and twos. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing all right. Cool. So, to kick it off, have you, I mean, I know you have, and I know Carl has, because he's the one copy editing it and laying it out, but our, um, our coverage of the, uh, of the Occupy Biden demonstration up um, in Barley Mill, I guess you would call that, near, near Biden's home in Barley Mill. Um, what, do you, what have you thought of it? What do you think of it so far? I mean, it's a, you know, it's a type of journalism you're not going to find anywhere else, and exactly the reason why the call exists, because, I mean... It's that it's that cross between activism and journalism to where there is, you know, basically, well, it's kind of considered it's kind of similar to the Daily Poster. And we were just talking about Dave Sirota, right? There's just no one else doing that type of, you know, that type of journalism or that type of work around here. And the very fact that Biden is coming home to Delaware almost every single weekend and up to this point, there hasn't been like, you know, any pressure, like, you know, being put to like, I don't want to say pressure, but. You know, now there is like seems like a sustained movement every time he's coming back, hopefully every time he comes back to Delaware to draw attention to the things that he could do or that could be done in order to alleviate, you know, yeah, so many problems. And quite frankly, I think it's been good. Like some of the writers and I'm not familiar with um, all the writers. I haven't met them, but, you know, that type of like first person, you know, memoir style journalism with. Um, oh, and the most recent guy from. um from PA. Uh, from PA. I'm forgetting his name right now. Yeah, uh, Michael is his name. Michael. Um, you know, what a like what a powerful story, you yeah. know, about how, you know, fracking corporate interests have like basically decimated his town where he's from. And just there's you know, there's no help. You know, it's you know, it's like they've had um had to get their water from a water uh, from a water bank for the past 10, 12 years now because, you know, fracking has poisoned their water supply and it's just like Everyone, it's just like one of those don't look up moments or just look up moments where people are like, no, we need to expand fracking because this is how we get like, you know, our energy bridge to the future and, you know, this and that. And he's like, y'all, it's poisoning our water. Like, yeah, we can't, that's the we can't live thing. without water. The thing that struck me in his, his essay was the idea that, you know, you have a family in rural Pennsylvania who has sunk everything into their home. It's usually if, if you own anything, that's the one thing you might own if you are an owner of anything. 
<clears throat> and so you had a home that was worth a hundred, one hundred fifty thousand dollars. You know, ranch house out in the, in the country that's now worth nothing, ten thousand dollars because there's no potable water. Nobody's going to buy a house with potable water, without potable water. So um, it's just, it's the same thing with the climate change. Like, yeah, I mean, people got to get out of this mindset that well, we're just going to readjust and move to different places. Like that's that's not happening. Like we're not doing that. You know. But I I, I was really impressed with a lot of it's been coordinated. Um, uh, by Rachel Gregory. Gregory, is that how you say your last name? Gregoire. Gregoire. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I did not know the uh, accent on the end. Um, who works with Carl Working Families Party, who was able to solicit. She's been there uh, and helped. She was on the organizing team, and she was helping sort of um, identify and, and find people who might, be, who might want to write about their experience. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's worked great. Um, and there'll, there'll be more to come. So this is... Um, you know, we're doing this on a Wednesday in the in the middle of that uh, interregnum holiday week. Um, when you guys hear this, there'll be a lot of stuff there for you to take a look at and see, you know, why people came to do this. But I want to I want to juxtapose it against something, and I'm not I don't do this just to shit on the news journal. I mean, I am shitting on the news journal, but I'm trying to make a point, a larger point. So let's see. T- so this is today, Wednesday. It's a uh, quarter after three in the afternoon, and this is the t- homepage of of Delaware Online. Top Delaware sports stories of 2021. Big business plans for 2022. What's coming to Delaware beaches and Ocean City? These Delaware restaurants didn't survive 2021. Ryan Cormier, after respite, uh, Christmas is canceled again. Uh, three reasons to visit this magical family village. That's the Schnell brothers. That's the, uh, the uh, McMansion people in, in Rehoboth. They have the, the lights that they want you to come see. That's sponsored content. The Dolly sign will be moved to a museum from the Dolly thing. If I see one more story about that fucking sign, I'm going to go crazy. Throw that sign in the fucking ocean. That's the the seventh or eighth story about the sign. Here are the most popular stories um, with our subscribers for 2021. Okay, that's good. Sewage spill suspends shellfish harvesting in Roboth Bay. Seems like it should be up up the the list a little bit. (laughs) It should be up up the page a little bit, but okay. Will COVID take a ring out of New Year's Eve in Delaware? Again, we're going to talk a little bit more about COVID coverage in general because we were just talking about this before we set up. Um, see who's moving into Kmart in Governor Square. Okay. Um, Delaware Dad spends 20 grand on holiday lights, expects big bill. Uh, and then all the way down near the bottom is Lex's new story about prison abuse where he documents uh, the jury awarded uh, this guy for being basically tortured in Delaware prison, you know, 500 grand, you know, half a million bucks. Uh, there's a lot of detail in there. It's very well documented he goes through and, and documents of course that's 20 stories down on the homepage. so you, you know maybe you'll get that on sunday um do you miss these delaware restaurants and the new delaware restaurants uh high school basketball roundup like not like that, that's the homepage, right all the way from the top to the bottom now they haven't done anything on occupy biden fine i understand that like with the stuff we do media wise is a niche it's an alternative thing i get that if there were 50 people with, with, with Trump flags and MAGA hats and bullhorns in that field chanting, let's go, Brandon, every fucking reporter in the state would be up there taking pictures, talking to them, because that's, you know, that, that, that will play. That will play in this homepage, right? That's a version of a small diner, right? The small diner in Delaware. Well, right? I think <laughs> it's just because, well, number one, it, it, it you know, it's more like a freak show up here. Like people like to see those freaks, 
like go out and, and do the let's go Biden or let's go Brandon and, and you know, all that all that dumb shit they do. Like they love that stuff. And so, I mean, I'm not saying, look, my guess, it's my guess that if this was a uh, an occupation by um, advocates for President Trump, anti-vax, uh, you know, fucking maniacs, if this was a bunch of lunatics from around the country, like if it was like a small scale version of the January 6th, uh, you know, rally, that you'd have 24-7 coverage. From WDL, from, uh, you know, Cape, you know all, all this different shit. And so, like, I'm, I guess I'm fine with them not covering it, actually, because I know that they suck. My problem is I have to, like, I got into it with one of your boys online a couple weeks ago. Um, uh, the guy from WHYY, Chris Barish. And, like, he's just an old guy. And the problem with him is he thinks he knows everything because, as we said before, he knows everything in the system that it is today. Like, what are his last stories? Oh, he wrote a thing about COVID testing. He wrote a thing about violence in Wilmington. He wrote a thing about the Hope Center. They're very good. They're very well reported. And they give you a lot of information. But let's be honest. Everybody's talking about the same shit. You're, you're nobody special. Yeah, you knew Mike Brzezicki 25 years ago. The guy's still a rat fuck scumbag. Like, I, I like that you have cred, but you're not giving us anything. You're actually, you're reinforcing the idea that the same shit just goes on and on over and over and over again. And, and, and so I don't know how to break that sort of cycle. Like, I'm, I'm okay with there being just, like, alternative sort of media and, and understanding that that's what it is. But the idea that it doesn't, like, that there's nothing there to see. Like, I had this, in the DMs, I had this thing with Barish, right? And I'm like, well, do you think this is, this is journalism? And I sent him the, uh, the one we did about the Holmes campaign uh, with Brandon Fletcher, with Cheyenne Miller, talking about people's water getting shut off, talking about setting up uh, tables in the neighborhoods or going door to door and canvassing in the neighborhoods and other sort of home-related um, issues. And you might have heard it. I sent it to him. He immediately, he's like, yeah, I don't listen to podcasts. Like, completely dismissive. Now, I know the guy's a prick. Like, I know he's like a rough, gruff sort of dickhead, which is fine. But, like, if you're that out of touch, like, just say you don't listen to it. That's cool. Or say you don't think it's journalism, if you want. That's fine. But, like, you, you immediately know this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Because he's stuck in a fucking eight, 1980s fucking mindset. And so that's the, that's the thing. How do you in- introduce? That's the question. We have all of this alt media now that we can produce. We can do a bunch of stuff with it. We can be real flexible. We can do audio. We can do printed. We can probably do video. We can do a bunch of different stuff now. How do you introduce that to people and, 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 and ha- with, with, with legitimacy when they're not used to getting alternative news in, in, in this way? Like, does that make sense? Do you see what my, my sort of general question is on the thing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's not just like... I don't think it's just formed, you know, different forms of media, but I think you get people in, you know, in, involved by like, you know, by tapping into their interests, right? And uh, you know, so I think, you know, but to some extent, bringing it down, like, just you know, by media form, I think it was maybe, you know, maybe a little too simplistic. But ultimately, what you want to do, like, you want to get a form, like, media form that people are attracted to, but also pique their interest about something. And I think that's really the big challenge: is how do you get people interested in? 
you know, uninterested enough in order to get involved in um, climate change or, you know, um, Working Families Party, uh, Fight for the 15, which should be Fight for the 25 by this point, right? Um, you know, it's... Yeah, and I, I kind of reflect on myself, too, because, you know, I, I came to sort of activism and advocacy later in life. Like, I was always, like, kind of, you know, my politics were fairly similar. Um, you know, I always consider myself sort of on the DSA end of whatever liberalism, liberalism was. But I didn't really do anything. You know, I wasn't, like, engaged in it, you know. And now that I am, I do appreciate the fact that, as I said before, like, there are a lot of people not engaged in it. Like, they don't, they don't really get it. But again, I just go back to this idea that the news journal is bad, actually. Because there's not even enough, there's not even enough variety in there to show people, like, something else is, like, there's other stuff happening. You know, obviously they reported on the Seaford um, you know, abortion, abortion fetus thing because that's like that's an abortion issue, so that's going to be a big thing. And of course, the AG and the ACLU are involved in that, but they'll beat that to death. Everybody's had two or three stories about that. You know, crime in the city, the abortion thing, COVID, restaurant reviews, and high school sports. Like, that's it. Like, you're, that's what you're giving people. I mean, thank you to, to Lex for trying to do something on, on the prison issue because it's humongous. You know, we, we're, we're torturing people in Georgetown and in Smyrna, in case anybody didn't know. But, like, we're not... People don't have an appetite for other stuff on the menu because they don't even know that there's something there. I think it gets dismissed, like, fringe. How do we go from, how do we go from alt-fringe to, like, just... Again, I'm not looking to to achieve I'm not looking to go over top of anybody I just want to go from fringe to something that's that's looked at as 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 legitimate because I think I I think it's legitimate like I have no problem with it I'm just figuring out a way to tweak it to get people to be like oh okay this is a thing because I know it's good what we're doing but like the the Chris Barishes of the world are are just you know they're just pumping out the same shit every day and they don't even know what's going on so that's that's my that's my new my new year's resolution is to sort of figure out while still doing the same stuff while still, you know, having an activist tell their story, while still, you know, going back and talking about, you know, historical materialism and where are all of our ideas come from, how they're playing out today. Like I'm still going to do all of that stuff. But how to do it in a way where people realize that's actually a thing. And, you know, Ryan Cormier bouncing around Newcastle County or bouncing around the beach every summer writing about the starboard every fucking summer is like, I, I, don't, know, I, don't, I don't know how to fit myself in there. Do you know what I mean? And you've, I mean, you've been kind of in it a little bit just with, with other publications in this area over the years. I thought you might have a, like a... Well, there's like, there's like this, yeah, like the news and publishing in Delaware, it's just like, it's all, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like, I don't want to say like insider baseball. That's not like quite the right like term I'm looking for, but like it is the same thing over and over again because this is a small place with a small media market. We're literally nothing. We're almost nothing changes ever at all. 
you know, <laughs> over the course of time. Yeah. And which is why the Dolly sign is such a big fucking deal. I mean, Fuck like the sign. people were freaking out. They're Fuck like, your sign. It's been up there for 50, however the fucking shit. years it's been, right? <laughs> and they're like, something's changing. Ah! Yeah, what are we going to do with the sign? <laughs> Where's the sign going to go? Throw it in the fucking ocean. Who gives a shit? And I will, I will say, like, I'll qualify that by saying... Things physically change here a lot. New office buildings go up, new thing like new uh, you know apartments and things like that are built. But that's actually just a continuation of all the same old shit that's been going on forever, right? <laughs> you know, and now that well, and that's that's the Przyzicki BPG yeah. sort of mentality. That, that's the whole state mentality, the neoliberal mentality. Is they know this is change, and it's like no, this is this the system. The, is the only same. thing the yeah. system can do, the only thing that we can do as a people who live in society, is have a government that incents people to make money. And so that, you know, you can, you can just scrape by, basically. Maybe you can get a new person to come live here and play, you know, duck pin bowling or, or, or live in Claymont in a new house and commute to Philly with a new train station or whatever. But there's no, it's all within the current rubric and nothing ever changed. Like that part doesn't change. The rules of the game never change. It has to be like this. Well, it doesn't, you know, so that's. But but I think you're right. Yeah, it's it's a it's a regurgitation of the same shit over and over again. And I think people do. I think generally that's why the conservative corporate Democrats and the neoliberals in the state have so much power because they hook themselves into this, and it's just a it's just a recapitulation of you know the people before them. You know Biden, Coons, you know Carper, Carney, they're all the same. It's the same person. And so they just need to, there's, there's no, there's nothing to do other than to keep it in the lane. Keep the boat, like, going in this direction. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're spilling oil. It doesn't matter if you're killing uh, the, the, the fish or if people are jumping overboard. You, you, you keep the boat going in this direction like this. That's it. And he so, promising El Dorado on the horizon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Overpromising. One, one of these things, yeah, one of these things is really going to hit and we're going to be the new, you know, the new hot spot. And that's not, it doesn't work like that, you know. Well, let me, let, let's, let's, I want to ask Carl a question just to see, because you, the Working Families Party, and we're going to have a few people in from Working Families Party Delaware in soon to both sort of uh, do a debrief of the Occupy Biden action, but also just talk about the, um, the membership drive you guys just did at the end of the year. Um, you hit your goal. Uh, I think you went over. Did you go over it? I think you went over it. We did, and by a bit, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, can you talk a little bit about um, expanding the universe of of members? Uh, which I can say I'm also a member. Um, you you tr- you're pretty you're pretty tricky. You know what he did? But, this is what they did. So you go to become a member, right? And there's tiers. There's ten dollars, twenty dollars, whatever. Well, the ten dollar a month tier was called like um, baby wolves or something. Or wolf pups. Was it wolf, wolf pups? pups. <laughs> it was wolf pup. The next one was like full wolf. Well, I'm like, well, I'm not giving 10 to be a pup. I'm going to be a full wolf. <laughs> and I feel like that was done for that reason because people were like, well, fuck the pup. I'm going to be the wolf. So you got an extra 10 bucks out of me a month because yep. of the pup yep. thing. <laughs> yeah, the, na- the National WSP people know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, that was – could it's not their I, first rodeo. The worst part of it is when you see it and it hits me, like I'm – I'm pretty like aware and like sort of of that stuff, and I, as soon as I saw it, I knew why it was there, and I still did the twenty dollars instead. I'm like, <laughs> you see what they're doing? No, but I'm 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 interested in like 
how this could impact some of the work that you're going to do. Is it going to be a lot funneled toward like electoral politics because that's coming up? Is it going to be other issue campaigns? Um, like what sort of how, how do you do, do you have an idea of how some of this growth within the Working Families Party is going to play itself out like from grassroots organizing this year? Yeah, so I guess to give a little bit of background, Working Families Party in Delaware, we've been around since uh, end of 2020. Um, so there was Love for Delaware, which was an organization that did a lot of similar stuff beforehand. Uh, and that was a group that working with Working Families Party got um, a lot of people elected like Medina, like Larry, like Marie, um, Eric and all of them. But yeah, so we've been building over the last year, basically working on different issues. So we were involved in $50 minimum wage. We've been trying to do Leobor and Right to Council and other sort of issue campaigns while also working to um, recruit candidates, obviously. So we haven't officially endorsed anybody yet, but we're planning to, obviously, in 2022. Uh, and we actually did not endorse, but worked with a lot of local candidates um, in like school boards, city council races um, further down the line. Uh, but... As a part of all this, one of our most intentional things has been, you know, I am an employee of the Working Families Party, have been for the year. Uh, we didn't get a second employee till like, September. Uh, so a lot of the work, like, 80% of the work that gets done has to be done by volunteers. And so a big part of our goal is not just to do, oh, we want to get people elected. We want to pass important issues. But we also want to get more people involved and give them the skills and the structure needed to do those things so that we're not just, you know, you're not just building up for one thing and then tearing it all down and building up and tearing it down, which is kind of what, luckily in Delaware, we haven't done that as much because you have Eugene's campaign leading to Network Delaware, leading to Network Delaware Action, leading to Leftward, leading to WFP. So luckily that hasn't sort of informally happened, though sometimes it has formally happened where organization comes up, it goes down. Um... And that's kind of where our membership drive really came from this year because we had made so many relationships with so many people that we had worked with throughout the year who some of them had been involved before, some of them had not been involved before. Um, but, you know, when you're asking somebody to knock doors for $50 minimum wage or learn how to vet a candidate or, uh, you know, do a go to a volunteer training event, you're not necessarily going to want to ask them like, hey, and also give us money. Uh and so when that happens, you usually end up just getting a bunch of grants from other organizations. Maybe somebody will give you like 510K, you know, help pay for a program, help pay for part of someone's salary. Um, but the issue with all that is that it's hard to have a grassroots organization that's not funded by grassroots dollars because unless you're funded by your members, your members don't really get to choose what happens. And so that's one of the big reasons we did want to put in more effort into recruiting new members because we started out the year with like 10 and by the end of the year we were at like 25. So it was like not great, uh, but we were able to more than double that just by basically reaching out to people who we knew uh, who had been doing the work already and just saying like, hey, we want to do more stuff in 2022. And if you can give, for context, $10 a month, that's $120 a year. Um, if you get 10 people to give that, then you have $1,200 a year. If you get 100 people to do that, you have $12,000 a year. That's a decent chunk of money. Uh, it's not going to pay for somebody's full salary, but when supplemented with other one-time donations and larger donations, you can actually get that pretty well. Uh, so in terms of like what that actually means, uh, so none of it's going to be completely set in stone yet because we don't really know what the world's going to hit us with. I would like to obviously continue to work for the Working Families Party, so that'll probably be a part of it. 
Um, but even some things that we started, so the Green New Deal campaign, that's one of the people, uh, Rachel, our um, other organizer, she's involved in Occupy Biden uh, and is working to put together all sorts of different people. Uh, some of that comes through grant funding, some of that comes through this and allows us to do a lot more in terms of environmental justice in Delaware. Uh, something that we've just started recently that I think is going to be really cool over the next year is we started, we're working with the Urban League and ACLU on a racial justice organizers program to actually train and pay people who are more involved with issues to make sure that we get certain bills passed, uh, but also give them the skills to do stuff later down the line. Um, and then a big one is, yeah, electoral stuff. So for a little bit of like nonprofit uh, financial stuff, which I'm sure everybody here has had to deal with a little bit, but um, if you have C, you Working Families Party technically operates as a PAC, a C3, and a C4, um, which basically means there's an electoral side, there's a political side, and there's like a nonprofit side. If you get a lot of grants, they'll be through like C3, C4, uh, and it usually limits the amount of money you can do with that. If you are a member of WFP, uh, that money can go to whatever needs to be done with it. So it doesn't have to fall under specifically nonprofit, non-political stuff. It doesn't specifically have to fall under this or that. So we can use that to support candidates, obviously within campaign finance limits. Um, or we can use it to do training. We can do it, use it to bring somebody on part-time to like really make sure that we're knocking doors and organizing for a certain issue if that's something that comes up. Um, so when we have a lot of small dollar donors, uh, it gets more people involved in the process of recruiting people it gets more people involved in the process of getting more people involved because it's a lot easier for one person to find three people than, or for 10 people to find three people than one person to find 30 people if you're looking at organizing and building your base. Um, and yeah, it just gives us a lot more flexibility. Um, and when I say us, I mean the organization, not just me. Like I do not want to be making all decisions. I'm not qualified to do that. But as a membership and as our activist base, those decisions get to be made and it allows us to do a lot more cool stuff than we would be able to do otherwise because things unfortunately do cost money. Yeah. I think the big thing is exactly what you said about having an apparatus that not only is not built for one thing and then sort of being torn down, but an apparatus that actually grows, you know, so the network sort of started and it kind of grew off and we had, we had a way to then sort of, I don't know if you'd call it a partnership, but a, a way to begin the Working Families Party here through Leftward. You also see deepening of the relationships between Network, Working Families Party, and the ACLU. Network always had a pretty strong relationship with the Urban League. Um, you know, we're doing, the stuff we do at the call is is fully, uh, is, is, is on, the, on Network Delaware's platform. Um, so, you know, that's why we don't, um, endorse candidates or, or get very political on, on the call. But it is the one thing that I'm always optimistic about is that that apparatus, that infrastructure, not only is it not being torn down, it's, it's, it's growing. You know, it's, it's, its arms are starting to grow out it's, and it's starting to deepen uh, relationships with other groups that, you know, are, are doing good work. And, you know, that that's very dope. I'm 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 very excited about where that's gonna like that whole process of of developing that infrastructure is gonna go because it's it's so far it's been a, a great success. And the only thing I can tell people is if if you ever hear of anybody who's just vaguely sort of like what can I do? I, I sort of want to get into politics. I don't know what like issues like I there's a, there's some 
sort of progressive issues I want to get involved with. The Working Families Party is a, is a great, great place to start. Um, Network Delaware, too, because now that the thing's been built out, they'll know who you should talk to. Um, they'll be able to um, kind of take your interests and, and, and put you in, in, in somewhere where you're feeling like you're doing the thing you want to do, get a lot of satisfaction out of that. And frankly, because whether it's on the media side like I am or on the grassroots organizing side like Carl or whatever, we're still in a place where we're very flexible. We're very nimble, like the thing with the call and, and, and finding you know participants of Occupy Biden to write a diary every day just to talk about their experience. What's happening there? Why are you here? What's your just what's your story? And you know, be able to do that. No, there's nowhere else that's going to be able to do something like that. And we could, you know, we're we're flexible. You know, we don't have advertising. We don't. We don't there's no there's no CEO. Uh, well, Drew, but other than Drew, um, he's the soft touch CEO. Um, yeah, I mean that's the exciting part, and that's the part that has to keep. That's why I was talking about earlier, just sort of thinking about ways to really fine tune it, and and really really make an impact because. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to go backwards. I mean, that's what a lot of the, uh, a lot of the elected officials that won big races last last spin, they were like, yeah, well, we're back up, you know, we're back up against it. They're running again, you know, and and reactionary reaction, they will react. That's what reactionaries do, um, and so we have to keep our keep our game up for sure. Well, yeah, and that's like, as you're saying, like each additional relationship adds so much more to both the organization and to everybody involved in it um because yeah the more people you get involved it's an exponential thing not a linear thing like each person involved not only adds like oh it's an extra person it's an extra person who has so who knows so many more different people who's involved and enmeshed in so many different communities um that they bring their experience to and they bring their social network to um and yeah, once you're in WFP, maybe you check out Network. Maybe you check out something from the Urban League and vice versa. So yeah. it the more that we get out there, and that's why also, for all its faults, electoral politics can be really good at getting to new people as well because you have a deadline and you're like, okay, I have a base. There's 9,000 people who can vote in this election. We need to make sure that 2,000 of them or so vote for our candidate. Uh, so we are going to go out and we're going to talk to people. Um, and so it forces you to basically interact not just with your, you know, political people, your media people, like all the ones that are on Twitter talking to each other, but also just people who have never heard of any of this stuff. Talk to them about their issues. That was something that we did earlier in the year with um, Faces of Minimum Wage, where all of our campuses were out. They were in Smyrna. They were in Dover. They were in Bear. Um, and when somebody had a good story about, like, okay, why is $15 minimum wage important? We would ask them, hey, can we record this? Can we put this out there? And we talked to at least three people. I think that's how many we ended up putting out. Of people whose stories have just like, yeah, I have these specific problems. These need to get solved. And they don't get talked about otherwise. And you don't really do that unless you're on the ground doing the actual organizing. And that level of specificity is really important, too. Because you can talk about all these things in like, you know, vague terms or generalizations. And that's, I mean, you know, more likely to engage people if they hear a story that sounds similar to theirs, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it just makes sense. Like, it makes sense to them if, you, if you're if like, oh, yeah, I live in that. I know that person. I live in that neighborhood. I mean, Drew and I used to talk about, this is one of the reasons I'm so excited about being able to do this diary. He's like, yeah, we, we found that if you go to a, and just report a city council meeting, whatever, it's boring. But if you find some, a citizen, say, who just turned up because they have an issue or something's bothering them, or they, and you talk to them, 
And you're like, well, why are you here? And she says, I'm here for this. And then you put that in the media. And you're like, you, you sort of highlight the person and they're in how they're using it. It's, complete, it's a completely different story than just being like, this is the business that they went through X, Y, Z. You know, and I think that's exactly what it is. Well, I, I want to talk about, before we get, and we will get to uh, Don't Look Up, uh, the, the, the new satire on Netflix, um, because I, I, I think I do have a lot to say about it, but we'll see. Um, I, I wanted to talk about one thing I think we're, we're lacking. As a, and when I say we, I'm talking about not only our media end or network or working families party, but as a, as, as a left, uh, however you want to call it. You know, we're not, we are, the Democratic establishment, the Democratic Party establishment in this state is our enemy, our political enemy. Now, you know, we work with them. I work with Kobe, work with them. We run candidates in the Democratic Party. We have a Democratic caucus trying to do stuff in the state Senate, for example, all of that. I get that. But the, the hierarchy and the establishment of the Democratic Party are our political enemies. And I worry sometimes that we forget. And the thing that made me think of it, and, and Carl turned me on to the HBO show Succession. Have you seen it? I have not, no. Okay. So the story is a family. It's a wasp family. The old father is Scottish. Um, they've built up this big media empire in the United States. Um, his health is failing. He's an older guy. Um, <clears throat> they have everything. They have like a Fox News sort of media arm. They have a travel arm with like amusement parks and sort of like a Disney thing and, then tr- and like uh, cruise ships and all this. But the story of the family is this fight for power. Who could possibly take over when the old man dies? That's like the general theme through the thing. Well, in season three, there's a scandal. I won't do, do too many spoilers in case anybody. There's a scandal. And they're on a, um, the family and all of the bigwigs are on a yacht in the Mediterranean Sea trying to figure out how they're going to deal with this scandal. One of the things they're doing is figuring out if they have to give somebody up to prison if they make a deal and somebody has to go to prison who that person will be so they go through this whole episode it's the last episode of the season of the last season it sets up this new season and the father calls his one of his sons in and ha- they have this conversation that basically says the father says you, you're going to have to be the one that goes to prison for this and this is what you're going to say and this is the why it plays. Like, it can't be this person that doesn't play. It can't be me It doesn't play. All this stuff. You know, it's a pretty heavy scene. And so the son says, you know, just for my own, just so I know. And he accepts it. He says, yep, no problem. I understand. Um, the son says, could it have been me? Like, why, why, why are we doing Like, it was kind of supposed to be him at the beginning of the series. And then there's a falling out and a coming back in and everything. And he says, why, why, why was it? Never me. He said, well, it could be you. He's like, give me the truth. Tell me the truth. Could it have ever been me? He's like, no. He said, why? He said, because you're not a killer. You have to be a killer. And it's a dark comedy. I mean, this family is a bunch of psychopaths. They're like Rupert Murdoch times 10. It's a bunch of sickos. But given the context, he's right. The reason he's successful the father is because he's an absolute stone-cold killer he has no fear of anybody he leverages whatever power he has whatever it is pushes any button makes any phone call threatens anyone and everybody knows he's fucking serious 
And that's one thing I feel like our leftist organization as an insurgent, uh, as an insurgent movement within the progressives in the Democratic Party of Delaware, we don't have any killers. And I wonder whether we should start looking for them, what they would look like, or whether you think we don't need them. I think we do, but like I'm, I'm very, I'm very, um, I'm very keen on this idea because I feel like the apparatus is there, and the and the and the spirit de corps is there, and the 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 people are getting built up. We're bringing younger people involved, uh, but like we don't have somebody who wants to go out and get in a street fight, and I'm worried that we need that kind of person. You know, electorally, I think we're getting there. That, you know, back, uh, I can't, I can't imagine an insurgent candidate running the type of campaign that just ran like six years ago, for example. Um, like, you know, things were, always, things were still too nice. Things are getting less nice now, which yeah. is important. Yeah. And I mean, I, 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 I feel you on that. I mean, even Jess's campaign, you know, I, I love Jess. I love Bill. I love everybody who worked on that campaign, but that campaign had, had faults that were, um, well, and they ran into COVID. I mean, it was a bunch of stuff. But I don't think they were in a position to do kind of what I'm talking about. But you're right. At least it was a little more confrontational. Yeah, I think it definitely has to be more confrontational. I think people have to be ready. Again, this is something Carrie um, mentioned to me a couple years ago about when she ran against uh, Carper. You know, you you see when when you meet the person, you're like, now, Chris Coons is an asshole, but Tom Carper's actually seems like a nice guy. Met him a couple times. He seems fine. Now, his politics are horrible, and they're horrible for a reason. He's rich, and his wife's rich. And so he's in a, he's in a political machine, and he wanted to stay there as long as he could. But he happened to be a nice, a nice guy. Um, now, again, I don't think a bunch of Redditors going on Reddit or going on a discourse and talking about how he slapped his first wife, I don't think that's what I'm talking about. Like, nobody cares about that shit. You have to go out and say the guy's fucking senile. You got to go out and say the guy's a crook. You know, and, and, and I'm not, again, this is not bad mouth and Carrie. I don't think Carrie was in a position to do this. I don't think Jess was in a position to do it either. But we're going, any... to, we're going to get in a position where we're going to have to really, really throw down. And it really doesn't matter whether, like, the idea that I might have to see this person at the Kmart or I might have to work with this person in my caucus. Like, and again, Somebody like Kowalko is an example of it, but like, with all due respect to John, I love the dude. You know, he's not. He he doesn't have that skill. He doesn't he doesn't have that acumen. He he has the right ideas, but the wrong execution. And I think we got to find some executioners. And I think we we worry about um, we worry about. you know, because we because on one hand we do have to build relationships, like Carlson. We do have to build relationships and make people understand that doing this kind of work is satisfying. It's welcoming. Everybody's involved. But when push comes to, sh- to shove, we got to find some killers. Well, Carl, you're the you're the you're the succession guy. What what's your what's your take on this? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that. The moral of secession story is that um, the father is the 
best person there. Correct. But that's a whole other thing. Well, that's a whole other thing. Correct. Um, I mean, the family and what he's doing is awful. I, I'm take, I'm sort of taking it out of context and just saying there's a certain kind of person that's a success in a certain kind of uh-huh. arena. Because, I mean, the point of this, I mean, not to give away too much, is that the Spoiler business alert. has declined significantly throughout the show due to, in part at least, to some of his tactics. But that's that aside, in terms of like what you're talking about here, um, I mean, my question would be, because um, I know I'm definitely not the kind of person that you're talking about. Um, like, so what is the goal? And so how does the implementation of, or not implementation, but how does like taking those tactics help reach the goal that we're trying to get? Like what, what is I the mean, strategy that those tactics I definitely think, I definitely think bullying under? works. Okay, so how? Well, I, again, you'd have to give me a specific. Uh, I, I uh, you know, I think people. I I think um, there should be. Uh, I think we should do bird dogging up and down the state. I mean, we know where Pete Schwartzkopf shows up. We know where these people show up. Make their life a fucking living hell. You know, no one else is going to do it if we don't. You know, they, they can. They can. They they walk down the street, at like like uh, like the like the the prince of. Uh, you know, the Prince of Bethany or whatever, or, you know, and and no one's challenging that. They just never be, get a challenge. Just to just to be clear and also maybe slightly reframe that, like, I don't consider that bullying. Like, I would also want to use the term bullying for that. Bullying implies a well, power imbalance, and the power imbalance favors, in this can, instance, the Schwarzkopf or that's the Electeds okay. or the Coons. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think, the, like, it's really more confrontational. Just Yes. Um, everything's just too nice here, you know, and the, the very end quite frankly i think that part of this building up process of the progressive left in delaware you know what were the like what were the honest to god chances of either carrie's campaign or justice campaign unseating carper or coons you know probably not great but you build up that infrastructure because then like the democratic party won't have the like there are now like I think digging in because they know once they don't have an you know a incumbent of X number of years in the Senate or in these other seats, who then can command that type of uh, you know not not only fundraising but getting the Democratic Party in line behind them. Once they don't have those candidates, then I think that then I I mean yeah. I don't want to say that's the opening right, but that's a, that could be the breakaway moment when you know you know when you can eventually force that power imbalance to change. But I mean, especially right now, like I mean, yeah, Carper. I mean, yeah, you say Carper seems like a nice guy. I personally don't think he's. he's a nice I mean, literally, guy. I, I, I think he puts guy, on a bit. It's a bit, you know. Yeah, well, every politician's <laughs> is a bit, bit, right? Like you can never trust anything yeah. they say. As Cheyenne Miller said, so, and I might get it like maybe I'll get it like needlepoint in a, in a one of those old timey things. So it was the great. Maybe we'll do a throw pillow in the in Carl's uh, production bench there. It just says throw them all in the trash. Yeah, I mean they're all to some extent putting on a bit. I mean, even the ones that we like would tell you that um, to some extent. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'll go back to this conversation I had with Chris Barish, right? Now, he was so proud to tell me that he had credibility with, because I, I, I think I called Mike Brzezicki like a, like a, like a uh, you know, a skid mark in my pants, like just a, lower than dirt. And he was like, well, I think you're being a little, I'm like, no, no, he's, he's a fucking horrible person. And somebody like Chris Barish, somebody like it works at the News Journal, somebody who works at WDL, somebody, you know, who is just in the city, uh, you know, apparatus. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of somebody. Cassandra Marshall. I don't know what her opinion of Mike Brzezicki is, but it's probably not as bad as mine. Like, people need to start understanding that the fact that the guy did the riverfront, like, 
pe- because people see him and they want to feel like a connection to a human being, so they ignore the fact that everything the guy stands for is the reason that there there are problems. It it, it got it, it really piqued me because Barish writes this story about violence in the city for the fifty thousandth time. And Przicki's comment was, well, if more people own their homes, they would have more like more attachment to the community. Now, that's fucking stupid. I mean, just a reactionary, you know, this is like what we did in the 1950s when they built Levittown. Like, save that for the rubes. Now, again, you can print that because he said it and put it in the story in context, which he did, which is fine. But when somebody's like, you know, that's fucking stupid, right? Don't pretend like you don't know it's stupid. Like, the, what he stands for and the apparatus that he is the front person for, we'll say that. He's the spokesperson for the, the corporate real estate and development of certain areas. We'll just say that. So everybody knows what he's the front for. He, pay, he, got, a, he, he, he got money from the city council to pay Chief Tracy more because he had to leave Chicago because he covered up Laquan McDonald's murder. Right? Because he told me, well, I have a great relationship with Chief Tracy. I'm like, did you, have you asked him why they covered up Laquan McDonald's murder in Chicago? No, you probably haven't. Like, these conversations are not being had. They're had on the, on the periphery, on the fringes, like I said before. We have to take these conversations from the periphery, from the fringe, and we have to somehow mainstream them. And it's not, it's not, it's not lunatic fringe. The guy covered up a murder that the Chicago cops did, and now he's our chief of police. So the fact that you have a good relationship for four years... It's not very impressive, my dude. And so this is the way we need to start. We, ad, I think what you said is perfectly right. It needs to be adversarial. It needs to be combative. It needs to be confrontational everywhere all the time. Well, and like also when you have that more confrontation, and I, I'm not always a fan of confrontational politics. I do think there's a time and a place for it, but if, especially as like, you know, in a place like Delaware, like, you know, you need to jolt a political establishment. Like you need, it needs a jolt. Like there is... You know, there is absolutely no reason why, you know, longtime elected officials like Carper or Coons or, you know, Carney, you know, should pretty much always get the soft gloves, right? <laughs> you know, the soft touch yeah. um, by the news. They're just like, you know, our news here is not, yeah, I would say, I think we have great reporters, but it's not, you're not going to get that type of like confrontational or adver- adversarial stance from the news journal. And really, if you're looking for that type of political change, that type of approach can ultimately put someone on the defense, you know, maybe make, I don't want to say, well, make a slip up or something to where you then see an opening in order to, right, like, try and replace that person in office, which, yeah. again, tried in Carper, tried with, you know, tried with Coons. You make and a the, good point the, here. We were just going through the uh, the Delaware online uh, homepage, and, you know, our, our friend and comrade Lex Wilson is on this prison, these prison stories like like white on rice. And they're great. And they, they show just what we do and how people are treated in our prison system for no reason. Now, again, Carper, excuse me, Carney and Dematius are very good at, you know, not really making a comment, like hiding, basically. The uh, lowest and, person on the chain will ultimately and, and, and take doing, the fall for Right, and, right and doing so. But it's never even, it's never even brought up that the, Claire Dematius was brought in by the governor to run a uh, to, to to run black sites. I mean, these guys are getting beat up. They're getting raped. They're getting uh, spit on. They're getting people. Uh, you know, they, 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 they they're getting put in a hole. 
in solitary confinement. Oftentimes pre-trial, right? Weren't some of these pre-trial? Some. Yeah. And 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 it's just like, well, this is the story, and the jury did these are the facts, and the jury awarded the money, and here's some history. But like, wait a minute. Like, we got a state, these are state prisons. What the fuck's going on here? You know, another example. I don't want to talk too much about this. We're going to talk more about it next week because it gets me all worked up. But, of course, as, a, as I mean, it's not really a prediction. As I said what happened, you know, nine months ago happened, the, the officers that murdered Lamont Moses will not face any charges. Now, again, I, everybody knew that was going to happen. Um, but this idea that somehow... Uh, that's, that somehow the attorney general is like progressive or like a, a comrade of ours. She's not. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I saw her on a list on a, on a blog about her being like a progressive all-star. She fucking sucks. Now, again, you could say she's just doing what the law prescribes. She doesn't think she could win in court. She got the third party to come in and do it to distance herself from it. So now she's an arm's length from action because she's like, well, I didn't really say that. It was the it was the people we hired that said this is it. Well, when you're running, when you want to run for governor, you know, when correct. Running, you, know, Sorry, you can't, yeah. you you can't get your Congress. hands too close to stuff like that. Buddy, you know, yeah, yeah. But again, nobody. This will never. This conversation will never be had uh, in the news journal. Like it's just this is what it is, and then oh, she's obviously she's actually pretty good, you know. She's reading out corruption or whatever. No. Kathy Jennings, as an attorney general, fucking sucks. Throw her in the trash, just like Cheyenne Miller said. Now, I do know that her spokesperson knows kind of how to throw little Easter eggs out. You know, if you noticed um, something, something else happened. Some other crime happened, I think, on Riverside. And Matt Marshall was in the news journal basically saying, like, look, you know, we have high poverty, we have joblessness, uh, we have health problems that we cannot solve, we cannot, and guns, which, again, guns, stupid, we gotta stop talking, who cares? I mean, I understand the gun problem, but it's, it's like, there's no, there's no foreseeable way to solve this in the current climate, so any, any, I'm sorry to say, anybody who's, who, is, gun control is on, like, the top of their list of stuff we should be doing in Delaware should reassess their life, uh, it's a suburban white woman mindset. But he, but he knows how to, to couch the AG's statements in this like, yeah, we know what it is, but there's nothing we can do about it. Now, that's his job, and that's fair enough. It's not the fact that he's saying it. It's the fact everybody takes it for face value and then moves down the road. You know, why? Okay, so what are you doing about it? You know, maybe you go in and take an L. But you're not going to take an L when you're going to run for Congress or run for governor, right? I think she's going to run for Congress probably because she'll get Matt, – Matt Meyer will, will wipe the floor with her. But in any, in any event, that's the step I'm looking to take, that next step, and be like, okay, if this is the problem, what the fuck are you doing about it? Nothing? Oh. Whose responsibility is it? Can you say their name? No, you won't because you're a fucking coward. A lot of cowardly stuff. And I think that's when I go back to that. Uh, does that answer your question about, like, in what, in, in what context this would be used? I think that was your question. So right? that's the context. But the question I have, so 
you ask a tough question, you call it out, then what? And I think that's sort of what Jordan was getting at. Is yes. it like, okay, then you exploit that. But um, the reason that I'm personally, I'm not a super confrontational person just as a person, but also I don't always do that as politically. At least that's not my tactic. I don't think it's a bad tactic. Um, is that, okay, so you call it out, um, and then there's two things, which is, one, you need people to actually be listening. Yes. Uh, and two, you need <laughs> yeah. those people who are listening to have some level of agreement with you. Because you can call out Mike Przicki and the real estate development, but if people love Bardea, if they love, if they're like, oh, I don't feel comfortable in the city, you know, I wish that it was a little yes. bit more civil. Like, then, yeah, that's going to, then you can call it out and you can, like, challenge it and he can explain it. Like, he can lay it out like a villain giving a monologue at the end of the movie about, like, oh, his evil plan. And they'll be like, well, yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, and so if you're yelling at somebody, this is just my general opinion, they're less likely to agree with you because people, like, people, like, you know, people respond to tone more than content most of the time. Yeah, and, and maybe, and I wouldn't say it's yelling, but I have had this discussion about, because mm. Bardea, you kind of, you knew exactly what that had <laughs> Like, yeah, I mean, you can like going to Bardea. I've had this mm. conversation with, I had a conversation with somebody in Bardea. I said, you can like this. Just know, like, I like cocaine. But I'm not going to sit here and like say that it's good for me or like that's the way like you should do it every day or like it's like it's not a it's just what it is like you can like Bardea, but you're part of the problem. You can think that you can think that the city's scary. You're racist. Sorry. Like, I don't know what to tell you can still think that like I hope I'm not yelling. I'm not I'm judging you. Well, people don't like to be judged too bad. Like, well, and that's not, the thing. Do, people, do we want my... to build majority power, or do we want to be right? Is somebody is is somebody? I don't think we can do. I think I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I don't think they are either. And but I also think... if we prioritize the second one over the first one. Well, yes, I don't know. And again, I'm not sure if it's a priority. I'll go back to what I said before. I don't know that I would prioritize it. I don't even know if I would have them on the same level of priority. I'm saying we're missing a tool in the toolkit. Oh yeah, no, I agree with that part. That's I guess that's what I. I are you talking about a dark money group that can run hit ads? Anything. <laughs> just lie. I try to we start have, rumors. Well, we I just a, start fake. We can start a worse Delaware. A worse Delaware. Yeah, yeah. a worse Delaware. <laughs> yeah, just fucking start rumors and shit about people. And if they want to come in here and 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 and, dis- and dis- dispute it, or they want to take me to court, I'd love to have that conversation. Actually, if I get taken to court, maybe the fucking news journal will cover it. You know, like I don't. That's the, I, I think we're just missing something in the toolkit to basically say, look, like and and. Here's a good question for you. You talk to tons and tons of people in Newark and Bear and Smyrna and Dover, right? And a lot of those people have opinions about what the city of Wilmington's like. Mm-hmm. Now, if they tell you they're scared to go there, it's high crime, and they're afraid they're going to get shot, are they going to vote for any of the candidates that you are trying to uh, – or, or, any, or are, they going to, are they going to be on board with um, – you know, some of the homes stuff that we're trying to get homeless people, you know, homes or fight for 15 if they think that, like, they're going to get shot in Wilmington. Sometimes. Yeah? Yeah. I, I mean, people are weird. Um, like, I remember we were in a uh, neighborhood of Gray Acres, which is off. Uh, it's Bear, Newark, Glasgow area. Okay. Sort of yeah. like that weird yeah, area yeah, off of 40, Old Baltimore Pike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we were talking with somebody, and he's like, oh, what's we're like, oh, so what issues do you care about? He's like, crime. I was like, we are in, like, single-family neighborhood. Suburbia. Like, this is very, like, not, like, upper class, but, like, up, like professional class. Yeah. Like, you know, it's people are doing all right, and I know that area, there's not crime there. But he's like, oh, no, somebody got shot. At one, like, there's this sort of vague idea that something bad was happening. But then you talk to him about, like, 
healthcare. It's like, oh yeah, healthcare costs too much. Or are you talking about? It's like, oh. <clears throat> and like you've you've had similar conversations like that where if you can get them on one thing, then eventually you. you I mean. It's easier to do that just for if you're like asking them to vote for a candidate because right, that's right. one little decision they make. They don't think about local politics at all. So they're just like, there's a person in front of them that's saying, hey, can you vote for this person? And they don't know who the other person is. So they're like, yeah, sure. Um, obviously, that becomes then a lot more difficult. Like if I were to talk to that guy and be like, oh, hey, can you join the fair policing campaign? Come to this meeting, do this and that. That's probably a tougher conversation. But the way that I think about it is that generally people are enmeshed in like their, it's like a group like a set of like family relationships, their circle of friends, their neighborhood, the media that they consume, the different things that they interact with their workplace. Uh, and if you jump in there with either a news article or just like you knock on their door, you are adding a little pinpoint to that, but you're not going to change it overnight. You have to, and that's why I focused on those relationships earlier on, whether that be a physical relationship between two people, but also like, oh, maybe they like the Delaware call on Facebook and they see, oh, here's these articles that are changing uh, my state of mind, like there was a uh, a slightly cringy documentary I watched recently about um, this woman whose dad was addicted to Fox News. And she was like, how did this happen? And like investigating it. But the thing that was interesting was uh, at one point she her mom went into her dad's email list and unsubscribed him from a bunch of right wing mailing lists, subscribed him to a bunch of like liberal ones uh, and also like like broke the remote so you couldn't change it to fox news anymore and within like a year he went from being like you know tea party guy to being like oh you know this bomb is a pretty cool guy uh and obviously that's an extreme example and it was a guy who was probably a little up there and maybe was a little bit more susceptible to stuff but like yeah and, and that's the whole know, thing matters it, it's certainly a, just a, it's, it's certainly I'm t- what i'm talking about is just a tool in the toolkit yeah it shouldn't be used in the in the sense that you're talking when, when you're talking to a regular person who doesn't really know, even if they have, even if their outlook has been polluted by just the most reactionary garbage you can imagine on the radio or on TV or whatever, um, you know, that person probably doesn't need to be like, like judged. But when people have, when people are tied to the system, I'll never, one of, one of the things Michael Brooks always used to say is that you do have to have some sense of compassion with people. An individual person you're going to go talk but with with anything systemic you have to be absolutely ruthless without ruth you know you have to be you know you have to have that tool in your toolkit and i think that a lot of the times we don't we don't go in for the kill and i don't think it has to do with like canvassing people or trying to you know build relationships in whether it's issue campaigns or electoral stuff i think that there's stuff tied to systemic you know, capital that go that is ignored. Not only because we're in this capitalist realism and we can't think of a different way, but because we don't really. I don't know. I like Bardea, you know, or I don't know. I just saw, you know, John Carney came to my wrestling match or whatever. Like, there's a there's a there's there's buttons to be pushed that aren't that I don't know whether we're equipped to push them yet. And and I and I and it is specialized. So it's not. We don't want to again, strategic, do it in a you know in a way that that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, I think about it all the time. I'd love. To, I would really. It would really be interesting if somebody came in here and argued about this with me. But nobody will because they're cowards. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the reasons I feel so good about doing some of the episodes that I know, you know, don't go over so great, 
because I, I do want there to be on the record, you know, some sort of history and theory and literature that people can go and be like, oh, this is a real thing. Like, I'm not just sit, sitting here, like, starting a fight because I want to start a fight because I'm an asshole. Sometimes I can be an asshole, but I'm actually a really sweet guy. I, there, there are people that I think need to be dealt with in a ruthless fashion because of the, the way that they stand up a system that's creating poverty and pain. I'm not going to lie. That's uh, the, because uh, what you're also talking about, it's like the enforcer on a hockey team, right? And uh, I mean, it's kind of, that's kind of your role, isn't it? Because, you know, uh, you know, a Medina or someone like that, like can't be, you know, an elected official on the progressive left can't often can't be that because they have to, I mean, it's a, is there, isn't the rule of electoral politics that you have to be likable? Well, the rule is that you have to have fifty percent plus one. Fifty percent plus one. That's, that's a rule. The only yeah, rule. That's the yeah, only you could be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think there is, uh, you, you know, I, separating you know separating the enforcer or like you know that confrontation from individual candidates. I think would yeah. is yeah, you know yeah, would yeah. would be effective. Um, one of the things I'm thinking of is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but. Jess ultimately got fewer votes than Carrie, correct? I believe that's right. By about, was it? She got a smaller percentage. I think she might have got around the same amount of votes. Because there was a lot higher turnout. Oh, okay. She got a smaller percentage. Because one of the things I was thinking of is talking to Dem, uh, you know, uh, you know, party line Dem folks uh, during that election as people just saying like, oh, it's too negative, right? Like, you know, she's running just a very negative campaign, you know? And it's like, it seems like that's, for lack of a better word, not the way things are done in Delaware, you know, and so like getting over that mindset too is and getting I don't want to say getting over that mindset because people yeah. who have that mindset will probably never get over it, but rather um, you know, like trying to push past it with people who are uh, you know open to it. Is... Yeah, and I think that it starts like that and then this I kinda of brought up my dad and this because he, he does that kind of stuff. And I'm like, Yeah, that's what you're doing. We're not doing that. He was like, What do you mean you're not doing it? That's just what I just said. <laughs> like I, I don't know, like what you're saying we don't like this is not how we operate. But I'm doing it. So, like, what you're saying does not apply to me. Like, there's too much... The people that are political enemies and that are propping up the system, like I said, that just creates, you know, enormous suffering all over up and down the state. Um, I, you know, telling me that I have to be collegial with them, uh, who cares? I don't care. Like, I, I, you know, as you said, I think politicians might have to be in certain, in certain ways... But I think a lot of people get get steamrolled. I'll give you an example. Um, the bail, the bail thing they rolled back. Mm-hmm. The bail revision. SB seven. SB seven. So they rolled back the bail reform. And um, I think that uh, Sarah McBride got rolled. I think Kyle Evans Gay got rolled. Um, I think they got rolled because Namdi is a puppet. And but nobody nobody says this stuff. Because you don't say that because Namdi is a poet. So you can't say that he's an arm of, uh, that he's a, he's a functionary of corporate capital in Wilmington. That's what he is. He's a functionary of corporate capital in Wilmington. And so the fact that he cried about his thing and, 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 and because of the politics, the way it worked out, um, you know, the, the trades that had to be made, Kyle Evans Gay and Sarah McBride got fucking steamrolled. Now, where's that story? But yeah, I mean, no one. It, it, it would blow people's minds. I, I don't think that we, we need to set the 
what what I'm trying to get at, I think, is to be able to prepare the ground to be able to start make to, to be able to start like we need to, before we storm the beach. You know, we got to we got to volley in the artillery and kind of soften the ground. Yeah, and that's sort of where I landed. Like my, and I think I've said this before that like my contention is that if people actually understood what was going on in legislative hall, not a single person, including maybe some of our people, would get reelected. Um, because legislative hall is just a cesspool. It is horrible. I mean, it's not as bad as it used to be, to be fair. But there's still a lot of stuff going on in terms of just like the little uh, deals that people make, the general atmosphere, the way that people interact with each other is just, it's not in line with what people would actually want. But if nobody knows that, there's not anything we really can really do about it. Which actually, and that's why I think going back to the Coons thing, one of the reasons that people would think, oh, this is so negative is because, okay, you say something just outright factual about Chris Coons. He voted for like 80 Trump judges throughout Trump's presidency, one of the most of any of the Democratic senators. Um, and like you could ask him that, he would tell you, yeah, I did that. Uh, but because he's the guy who people saw on MSNBC being like, oh, you know, Trump's being a real meanie, uh, people are like, oh, well, that's not, that's not what he does. And so you're just one person coming in and saying this over this perception they built up over the last four years. To be like, oh, well, but no, he's Democrat and he's always talking about. And so then, yeah, you're just you're throwing pebbles at a tank at that point. But if we're seeding it with articles like the one which one of the best, one of the um, best performing ones on Delaware Call this year about how Chris Coons and Tom Carper voted against $15 minimum wage. You share that with people and people are like, what the hell? Yeah. And you're not attacking. And it's not like you're attacking them because it's just a factual report. You're not you don't have any other agenda than saying, hey, this is the thing that happened. And so, I mean, some people are like, no, no. But like most people that I shared that with, they were like, what the hell? Um, Didn't Tom Carper promise that in his yeah. re-election campaign? So, like, you Didn't start, he put that on a mailer and send it like to that. everyone in the yeah. fucking state? Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, you have more and more stuff like that. And then people, like, if that actually gets shared with people and that people actually see it, then you go back in six years and you're like, oh, yeah, Chris Coons is a conservative. And like, oh, yeah, he voted for the Trump judges. He's a minimum wage. And he's, you know, all this, yeah. like, then you're like, okay, yeah, I would rather have somebody that doesn't do that. I bet you, I, I, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say, I bet you they ran into more static for that vote from people outside of Delaware than inside of Delaware because it's such a they run into no static in cultivated Delaware. image here. They probably got like plenty of calls or emails or whatever from you know folks out of state, but here in Delaware, I wouldn't be surprised if they got them. It was during thing. COVID. I was masked up. I told this story. I saw Coons in the in the neighborhood supermarket here. You know, we live we're we're neighbors, um, and I I remember going up to him and be like, Hey, buddy, thanks for voting for all those Trump judges, man. You really did this a solid. He was like. Like I don't think he knew whether I was being like serious or being facetious or what, and I just saw his eyes glass over, and he couldn't say anything. Like I kind of stuck. Like I, I approached him from the side, and I don't think he saw me coming. But I stayed like far away. But yeah, I mean, here's a guy who who nobody goes into his face and calls him a fucking liar, or call or questions when like he gets reelected by saying I'm a can work across the aisle, I can make deals, and oh, I'm voting for all of these Trump judges because I'm making deals. It's like. Well, where's the fucking deal? Yeah, like I understand. <laughs> I guess my thing is, yeah, no. Coons is a good deal? Coons is a great example, Carl, and I think that's right. My 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 issue isn't even with him doing that because that's what politicians do. He's a they're horrible deal maker. They're generally <laughs> very they're generally very stupid. They're protecting their own power and and whatever you know whatever their own apparatus is to keep the power, and so they're going to do a series of things. I actually don't have a lot of that. He can he can't do any different than he's doing. Because he's there to do that thing. So that part of it actually, to me, is fine. But then, 
He wants you to eat a shit sandwich, and he wants to tell you how good it is. And I'm telling it's fucked up. That's the problem. Because nobody, I, I actually, and I think I've said it in different words before, like, these people are in their positions to do a particular thing, and they're doing it. So I'm not even, like, completely upset about that. My issue is, this needs to be confronted, and not just like, well, he did it again. You know, and nobody, you know, still, Chris Coons is the man. He'll run again, and he'll win again. Or ask him, like, well... You keep saying you're voting for all these Trump judges because you're working across the aisle and this is how deals get done. Where's the fucking deal? No yeah, one asks him that question. No yeah. one asks him that question. Not doing shit. Yeah. <laughs> so let's 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 wrap up and have a fun ten minutes uh, for the New Year's. If you guys haven't watched it yet, this will come out I think New Year's Eve. So maybe you can this will be your big New Year's Day movie. But there's a, a film on Netflix. Don't look up. Uh, it uh, just came out. It uh, Adam McKay, uh, who has directed numerous. Uh, Kinds of motion pictures uh, is the director. Uh, it stars some some huge. They have a great ensemble cast. Uh, we got the we got the Leonardo DiCaprio. We got the Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, the whole the whole bag. Um, actually, the president is played by Meryl Streep, which is pretty dope. Um, but it's a satire about uh, about just ignoring something in front of your face. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but what was your... I mean, you, you came in saying you had just seen it and you had some feelings about it. And I'm interested, Jordan, what your feelings were. I mean, I'm going to give some... I mean, I don't think we can talk about it without spoilers. Okay, spoiler alert. If you don't I, want to hear it, fucking switch off. Yeah, fuck off. Um, <laughs> I think that... Uh, I mean, everyone, I think, you know, if you've been paying attention to, you know, the the trailers and whatnot of the movie, it's pretty clear how the movie is going to end. I mean, I think that much is obvious. It's like going in to watch the Titanic and you're just like, oh, I know how this movie is going to end. Yeah. And so it's like you know, throughout the entire movie, like, you just, like, you know, keep on getting closer and closer to this point of doom and just, and nothing ever changes. And, and on, and it just is this, and it's a frustrating balance. I'll agree. Like, there is sometimes, I think, a frustrating balance between that, like, type of desperation that just times just kind of comes barreling through in the film and then that, like, really witty satire. And I think, like, sometimes of, like, it kind of, I don't want to say it seems bipolar, but it can go back and forth really quick. It can be, I think, very humorous satire. And then, like, in a pure moment of desperation, somebody just kind of, like, breaks through. And sometimes, like, kind of breaking that, you know, the fourth wall and, like, almost talking, like, directly to the audience. And, you know, and then it gets, and then it gets really heavy. But, you know, I mean, overall, like, I don't think. You know, I'd be hard pressed to think of a better satire of you know the yeah my really elite like, culture than we have probably had since Idiocracy. I mean, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, you know, when you say Idiocracy, I think, but my, the thing with Idiocracy was that the concept, the actual story set like way in the future, was so outrageous and so different um, that like it actually kind of played. I the only thing I like I I didn't really know a lot about it watching it and the, of course the conceit is that again there's a comet that they discover coming towards Earth um, you know it's an extinction level event uh, you know just like and and I feel like that that uh, that conceit has been used probably half a dozen times already uh, as a thing that like as a just a different kinds of science fiction stuff like even at the end when. The tech billionaire wants to put these drones up there to try to think. Like, I'm like, isn't this the, the plot of another film? Like, it's just, that, that was the part that was a little bit difficult f- because I didn't understand how satirical it was at the beginning. And I'm watching, like, the first 10 minutes thinking it's, it's, it's like, for the rubes. And I'm like, oh, no, no, they're using it as a, as a satirical device. Everyone, because that's what everyone expects, right? Everyone expects 
what they've seen in movies and what they've seen on TV to actually happen. Right. Oh, the end. Like, yeah. So they you think expect, the end. Okay. Yeah. Like they actually like they're just like, oh, well, we've had all these movies where like they send these things up and this is what happens. And, you know, and so like at that moment, it's just like, oh, of course this happens. Right. They're sending up, you know, they're setting up these spaceships with the hero. I'm forgetting his name right now. Uh, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah great. Yeah, yeah. Great, that, great cameo by him. Yeah. Great. Um, and. And then everything, and then of course the flights are diverted because they find you know rare earth minerals on the uh, on the on the rock. Um, you know that was one of the moments for me where I was just like, oh, okay, we're getting like our like Armageddon or Deep Impact moment here, where they're going to go up. I was expecting them to like break up the comet into like several pieces and to have all those pieces fall, but it's just like, no, they didn't even try. And it's just like, oh yeah, that's probably much more likely <laughs> than anything yeah. you'll get. It's like you know yeah. they'll just abort the mission and be like. No, nah, no, nah, we're not gonna. We're not actually gonna try and destroy it. We're, we have. We actually have a much better plan that has a zero percent chance of working. Um, we. It's the shit sandwich, you know. <laughs> yeah, I actually. I got out. Of, uh, I thought um, uh, Jonah Hill was very good. Yeah. Who is the president's chief of staff? And I think the scenes with Meryl Streep and Jonah and Hill. And son, right? Son and so like he's basically like a Don Junior esque yeah, yeah. character. I. You, I mean, again, people are saying a lot of them are pretty obviously like plays on one person and that's sort of true um but yeah i mean it, it you can extrapolate it out i mean obviously the merle street president character is very trumpian um but i mean it, it plays with pretty much anybody but when you when you really see that the and again i think this there's there's true this is the truth in it that the people the, the structure in power is not really worried about the issue at hand they're worried about how the issue fits into their success so if they can delay it, if they can change the top, change the story, uh, if they can like, and and just in the most ham-handed, goofy ways, um, like that's my new thing too. When people argue, I'm like, this is a rube argument. This is to see somebody that's stupid. Don't fucking say this to me, because this is some kind of political bullshit, and you're treating me like a child. But but that's actually what happens, and that's what happens most often. So I did I did get a lot out of that. Those dy- the dynamic between. The, the president, her, her her son, who's the chief of staff, and and everybody else. I think also the way like Leonardo um, Professor uh, Doctor um, Mindy, right? Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio's character, Doctor Mindy. You know the way he gets pulled into it all too, because he's the handsome, you know, doctor, and he even he even for a little while buys into it. Is you know also think I think an indictment of I mean you know yeah. I don't think there's a little Fauci there. It's like yeah, I don't think anyone <laughs> is like get, uh, walks away from this movie like looking completely um like honorable i guess right yeah i with, mean they try to do it at the, with the with the dinner scene at the end they try to sort of say well everybody's sort of coming you know c- coming to terms with what's going on like the wife takes the guy back from the, all that stuff um but yeah no nobody does and again i think that that's there was a little bit of covid there too right with this like that it was like a yeah, Fauci is, situation is kind of unintentional cuz i think it was written before covid started if really? I remember correctly, like I remember reading about this concept a while ago when I like with an interview with Adam McKay. Right. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like I mean, because I see it because uh, you mentioned idiocracy. The way I think about it, because I also rewatched this recently, coincidentally, was uh, Doctor Strangelove. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I don't think it's as good a movie as Doctor Strangelove, which is like a masterpiece. Yeah, Doctor Strangelove, like one of the best satires probably of all time. Yeah. But that's a movie about how every and it's more focused on like government bureaucracy because that's sort of like what this was in the sixties about how basically every piece of government and military bureaucracy is angled towards destroying the world. And like, okay, like all the things, all the incentives basically for each individual person there is to destroy the world. 
Um, because, you know, they talk about the doomsday machines. Like, why would we do this? Because we thought you were doing it. Because, like, of course we would do it. Um, and, like, oh, we have to put in all these fail-safes so that we can't not destroy the world. Um, and so this is sort of the same thing, except just it includes the government, but also the media and, you know, all these institutions and how they're basically designed to not solve problems, which that's the aspect I kind of enjoyed about it the most, along yes. with just sort of... Because, I mean, it's full of, like, Adam McKay stuff, which is, like, if you've watched an Adam McKay movie, you know, it's just, like, weird cuts and, like, stock footage sometimes. And it's, like, what's going, what are you trying to do here? Um, and it's also often, often really on the nose, like, the Leonardo DiCaprio rant near the end where he's, like, the present line. I hope that you know, all that stuff. Um, but the thing I did appreciate about it was just, like, kind of the visceral element of it, which is, like, that's why I really like the end scene. That's what I keep coming back to, where it's just, like, okay, yeah, the world's ended. Well, we're all here, you know, let's have some dinner uh, and just sort of waiting for the end, which is like that feeling, I think kind of captures a lot of, at least my generation's kind of feeling towards it, which is like, we know that this is coming. We all kind of feel like the end is here essentially. And we're just like, okay, well, let's have some dinner, kind of try to pretend that nothing's happening. Well, you remember what the um, what the full title of Dr. Strangelove um, how I learned to love the, uh, how I learned, learned to stop, stop worrying and love, love the, bomb. the bomb. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it. I mean, the, yeah. the 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 title of this could I, how I learned to stop worrying and love the comet. It's yeah. basically the same concept. I learned to stop worrying and love Bardea. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. I want everybody to have a nice new year. Here's what we have planned in January. Uh, we'll be promoting an action in support of uh, Lakeisha Nix and Lyman Moses's family. Uh, and their continued efforts to get some justice, even though um, the officers at this point will not be charged uh, criminally. Uh, I'm hoping to get a couple Wilmington OGs in here so we can really talk about, you know, we had a great conversation with Mouse, um, the NAACP guy here in Wilmington, at the, um, at the Lamont Moses press conference. This is a private conversation, but I just remember um, he finished sort of telling a story, and I said, you know, I, I've lived all my life here. And he looked at me and was like, you know what I'm talking about. So when you get a, when you get another Wilmington guy, you kind of feel that that bond. Um, yeah, and we'll you know I think I have a, a labor reporter who might come in late January, early February. We got tons and tons and tons of stuff. So for the new year, here's what I'm asking you, dear listener. A few of you, I won't say any names, we're we're patrons at a podcast, and you know credit cards expire after a little bit. And you had to re up them. Some of you, uh, you know, you let it expire. And you, you know, maybe you don't even know you let it expire. You don't know why you're not getting alerts. You got to re up five, ten dollars a month. Help us out. The other problem is we know there's a there's a there's a very very large contingent of you who are freeloading. Now I understand it's hard times out there, COVID, but we put a lot into this. We're trying to give you some sort of we're trying to build an alternative sort of uh, framework here, uh, and we're trying to make it fun. This was fun. God damn it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, consider in the new year, uh, consider joining WFP, number one. Consider becoming a patron of this podcast, number two. Consider maybe donating to Delaware Call so we can do that kind of sort of more straightforward journalism and stuff. Um, but really become, a, become an advocate and a volunteer for Working Families Party is what I think the most important thing you should do. And Carl will link all of that up and, and get yourself involved. It feels good. To get outside with comrades and actually do something. And, um, you know, we'll look uh, today. 
this is a Wednesday. I, I think there was supposed to be a press conference at the Occupy Biden site. Let's see if any Delaware, um, if any Delaware outlets cover it. Let's see if tomorrow or this evening we see some stories. Because I'll bet a thousand dollars that if it was, you know, a group of January six type MAGA type, if Jan- Lauren Whitsky was there, if Lauren Whitsky <laughs> was there, if a fucking Let's Go Brandon flag was there, and all that bullshit, it would be a fucking media circus. Everybody knows that. Don't fucking lie. You know what you'd be doing. You'd be up there fucking going crazy, splashing up like Dolly, like the Dolly sign. Pretty sure the biggest freeloaders out there on the on the podcast are the uh, Delaware Party establishment folks who have to listen to it or do listen to it just to, uh, you know, like yeah. does does Kathy Jennings, some um, press secretary, uh, have a subscription to the podcast? You know, I'm not going. I'm, I'm pretty gonna... I'm pretty sure he, he's required to listen to it. Uh, this <laughs> Hi Matt. Hi Matt. <laughs> we, we, you know, I gave you a nice. You you heard the little thing I said about you. I I like how you're slipping in little Easter eggs into your quotes. I like it. I like what you're doing, but. You know, it's like a lot of lip service. I mean, I know you're a spokesperson, so you're just speaking. That's really all you need to do. Uh, but, yeah, we really need to take it to the next level. Um, so, be, you know, think so become it. a member. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, yeah, become a member. Help us out. You can come in here if you want. Yell at me. Tell me I'm an asshole. Wait, he can only yell at you if he gets, like, the, the like, the two or three tier level membership, right? He can't come in here and yell at you if he's, like, a bottom tier level member, is he? Good. That's true. It's at least I mean, ten dollars. Actually, yeah, I said for 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 fifty dollars a month, we'll let people produce these fucking things. I don't care. So you know, there's options, folks. Help us out. Go into the new year strong, and help us like lay this groundwork. Again, and and joking aside, we do appreciate taking sort of um, people's opinions and trying to do something with them. Whether we do it on the podcast in here and we talk to somebody at length. Or we do something in the call that's a little bit different that you wouldn't see, like these diaries. Yeah, we're, we're flexible. We're open to doing stuff. So, you know, if there's a person or a topic or something that you never see any coverage of and you'd like to, hit us up. HighlandsBunker at gmail.com. Be like, talk to this person. I'll talk to him. It'd be fucking fine. So, Happy New Year, everyone. Jordan, thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. Carl, thank you for everything you're doing. Very much appreciated. Um, I will always come in here and complain about Tom Carper. I mean, it's a safe space. It's a safe, safe space for that, yeah, for sure. And um, you know, just like last year, 2022, same, same. Left is best. <laughs>